This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the Bill by Bama online podcast, and it is daybreak for Monday, June the 22nd. Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BamaOnline.com, with you three mornings per week here on daybreak, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. We try to get your days going with a cup of Crimson Tide. Hope it was a great Father's Day weekend for you. I know I'm among those blessed to be able to spend that time still even at the age of 51, with my father, with my stepfather. And even if it wasn't your dad, hopefully it was perhaps that figure that was very important in your life that served in that role as father, whether that was a male father-type figure in your life. Perhaps it was a single mom. A lot of those folks doing the job of two parents, as we know. Spent time with my dad on Sunday afternoon, really all day Sunday, out in the Atlantic Ocean catching some whiting, catching some pompano, and then in the afternoon with both my dad and my oldest, my son, we sat around and watched that PGA Tour golf from Hilton Head Island as you had the RBC Heritage unfolding there in the low country of South Carolina. A strong Alabama flavor to that event, even down the stretch, you had... Justin Thomas, who you anticipate seeing on a weekly basis, and that was the case once again for Justin Thomas over the weekend, and Michael Thompson, a former Alabama All-American in his own right, slick right there down the stretch on Sunday evening. Both Justin Thomas and Michael Thompson finish at 17 under par, which a lot of weeks would be good enough to get you into the winner's circle on the PGA Tour, but... The boys had their way with Harbor Town Links over the last four days, and so it was tied for eighth, 17 under, is what Michael Thompson and Justin Thomas found themselves in as far as finishing positions go. Meanwhile, the COVID-19 virus continues to impact a myriad of sports. You're now hearing it in relation to positive tests in Major League Baseball, uh, the NHL, the NFL. Of course, it's been a major storyline in college football here in recent weeks. Most recently, Clemson and some other schools being impacted by the virus. Fortunately, the glass half full look at that situation is that vast majority of these cases have involved asymptomatic positive tests. And even better, if you're an Alabama fan, you got through a week for a change without news related to your program. Instead, it was more about who Alabama is going to play down the road in non-conference action as Greg Byrne and Nick Saban announced that the Crimson Tide 
has inked a home-and-home with the Ohio State Buckeyes for 2027 and 2028. That's the only kind of news you really want if you're a college football fan in the midst of a pandemic, and certainly in the offseason in most years, that's all you want to hear about are things like home-and-homes for the future. But at least something positive on that front, again, if you're a Crimson Tide fan, in anticipation of what should be a stellar stellar stretch of non-conference action really getting underway in just a couple of years when Alabama and Texas get together. We also had a rubber stamp move by the NCAA Division I Council in that preseason practices will begin on July the 13th. Now, even with that plan in place, even with that six-week stretch leading up to the 2020 college football season and that full opening slate on Labor Day weekend, still very much a day-to-day approach for all of these programs, whether they're Power Five, Group of Five, Division Two, high school football, the NFL, just trying to take care of business on literally a day-to-day basis so that football in some form or fashion will take place during the upcoming fall. And really, this is before you get into a lot of the logistics that are going to go into pulling this thing off. I was talking to an NFL friend of mine from over the weekend, and the club that he works for, very fascinating in that in terms of social distancing requirements, This NFL team is actually preparing coaches' offices, positional team meeting rooms, offensive meeting rooms, defensive meeting rooms, in a way in which, even though in training camp, NFL teams will have 90 players in the facility, along with coaching staff, along with support staff, the meetings even in those facilities, even with everyone in the same building, will be virtual in nature because you can't get all these people into the same meeting rooms. You can't get all 90 of these players into a team meeting room. So you're going to have the head coach in his office. You're going to have positional groups together, and they're going to be all tied in by Zoom or the teleconferencing that we've really seen with everyone off-site to this point. And you got to think that be the case as well on the college level. Adaptations, I'm sure, are being made around college football for that scenario because unlike the NFL, where rosters contract as you move throughout the preseason and into the regular season because you have cut downs, in college football, traditionally what has happened is your roster has actually expanded. You go into a fall camp with a roster of 105 players if you're a FBS team, if you're a Power 5 team. And then when you get to the first day of fall classes, your roster has usually expanded to include some walk-ons once you start that fall semester. So those are just a couple of other aspects to sort of think about in advance of all this trying to come together in a a little under a month's time. A lot of this stuff is going to start to come together, both at the college level and at the National Football League level. All right, we're going to head to a break, and when we come back, we're going to establish an over-under 
for non-offensive touchdowns for the 2020 Alabama Crimson Tide. You talk about a major piece to the success of Alabama football under Nick Saban. We'll outline some of the numbers for you. Still mind-boggling when you think about some of the season specifically and the production Alabama has had in the form of what we like to refer to as knots. We'll get into that and more when a Monday edition of Daybreak here on the Built by Bama online podcast returns right after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, so let's talk some non-offensive touchdowns, and we'll culminate this segment by establishing an over-under for knots for the Alabama Crimson Tide in 2020. You know, when you just look at statistical achievements in the Nick Saban era at Alabama, I don't know if there is another one that stacks up with the non-offensive touchdown numbers for Alabama since 2007. And really, when you get into the numbers, it's been more of a situation where the impact has been greater over the back half of the 13 years that Nick Saban has spent on the job. But let's put it into perspective. In those 13 campaigns at Alabama, Nick Saban coached squads have produced 75 non-offensive touchdowns. In 2019 alone, the Crimson Tide found the end zone via fumble return, interception return, punt return, kickoff return, and off of block punts. And it was down the stretch where Alabama was especially effective with the knots, churning out five non-offensive scores in the final six games of a campaign that saw the Crimson Tide finish with seven in all. You know, initially, early on in Nick Saban's tenure at Alabama, his teams weren't big non-offensive touchdown teams. It was more about the kickoff and punt return game with Javier Arenas handling much of the heavy work there. Couple of examples for you. As dominant as the 2009 and 2011 defenses were, they weren't exceedingly prolific where finding the end zone was concerned. The 2009 defense produced three touchdowns in 14 games. A couple years later, arguably the greatest Alabama defense of the modern era produced three more in 13 games. But again, once you got to about 2014 or so, that's when the non-offensive touchdowns seemed to show up in bunches. And we can use these last four seasons as sort of a sample size to consider. A year ago, again, seven non-offensive touchdowns. Four of those came on special teams. Jalen Waddell with a punt return for a score against LSU. Of course, he had the 98-yard kickoff return for a touchdown against the Auburn Tigers in the Iron Bowl as well. You had a couple of punt return team touchdowns off blocks. Ali Cahoe doing the honors a couple of times. Terrell Shavers recovering one of those for a touchdown against Texas A&M. 
Cahoe recovering his own block in another game. Defensively, the three touchdowns that unit produced a year ago came from two players, Trayvon Diggs with the 100-yard fumble return against the Tennessee Vols, and then both Diggs and McKinney accounted for touchdowns on interception returns a season ago as well. You look at 2018, you had four interception returns for touchdowns. Savion Smith, Shaheem Carter with two, McKinney with one. You had a fumble return for a touchdown two years ago. Anthony Jennings doing the job there. Waddle with a punt return for a touchdown in 2018. And Josh Jacobs with a kickoff return against Louisville down in Orlando in that 2018 season opener. Just two non-offensive touchdowns for Alabama in 2017, but it was absolutely nuts in 2016, the year before, when Alabama produced 15 non-offensive touchdowns, which was the most by an FBS team in the previous 20 years. In fact, in a span from the college football semifinal against Michigan State, On New Year's Eve 2015 in the Cotton Bowl to the Texas A&M game in Tuscaloosa on October 22nd, 2016, UA produced a non-offensive touchdown in 10 straight games, totaling 14 non-offensive touchdowns over that stretch. You had four interceptions for scores. You had four punt returns for scores, five fumble returns for scores, and a kickoff return for six. Nine different players on that 2016 team produced non-offensive touchdowns. The punt return team, well, you knew Eddie Jackson. You recall Eddie Jackson doing his thing. couple of punt returns for scores that year. A game-changing one of note against Ole Miss in Oxford, as you probably recall, right there before the end of the first half that cut the Rebels' lead to a touchdown. Xavier Marks had a punt return for a touchdown in 2016, and Josh Jacobs returned a block punt against Florida in the 2016 SEC Championship game for six. And I guess when you consider the back seven of that 2016 defense, it shouldn't come as a surprise when I tell you that six pick sixes were a part of that defense. Minka Fitzpatrick had two that year. Eddie Jackson had one. Ronnie Harrison had one. Ryan Anderson had one in that semifinal playoff win over Washington and Atlanta. All those guys, as we know, part of NFL rosters today, And three of those guys, Minka Fitzpatrick, Marlon Humphrey, and Eddie Jackson, have taken first-team All-Pro honors in the last two years. Also with that 2016 defense, you're talking about five fumble returns for touchdowns. Jonathan Allen with a couple of them. Ronnie Harrison had one of those. Ryan Anderson had one. You also had Deron Payne with a fumble return for a score. As far as games that season in 2016, in which you had multiple non-offensive touchdowns, Ole Miss with Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne on fumble returns, the aforementioned Eddie Jackson punt return for a touchdown there at Ole Miss. Arkansas game, you had Minka Fitzpatrick going coast-to-coast with an interception return. Tim Williams with a fumble return for a touchdown in that game. 
the Tennessee game. You had Ronnie Harrison return an interception for six. Jackson with another punt return for a score in that one as well. And then that SEC championship game against Florida with Jacobs' punt block return to go along with a Mika Fitzpatrick interception return for six. So with a very good understanding of what Alabama has produced when it comes to non-offensive touchdowns in the Nick Saban era, we're talking about on average of nearly six knots per season over the 13 years that Nick Saban has been on the job. Who are some of the candidates to add to that list in 2020? Automatically, you think about the secondary because of some of the guys we outlined here in the last little bit between Mika Fitzpatrick, Eddie Jackson, Ronnie Harrison. You go down the list, Marlon Humphrey, who's going to be next up in that secondary? And there are some questions there because Trayvon Diggs is one of those guys that has produced defensive scores in the past. Is it Patrick Sertan II who finally gets on the board in year three of his time at the University of Alabama? He would seem to be a good bet. What about Josh Job if he steps into a role of prominence there at the cornerback position? I'll give you a little bit of a guy that I think could do it more than once even in 2020, and that's Jordan Battle from the safety position. I like Jordan Battle as a candidate in this area. Dylan Moses comes back from the knee injury. You would certainly think he would be in that mix as well. And the one guy that we know has impacted the knots here in the last year or so is Ali Cahoe. Special teams along with Jalen Waddell. You know, the expectation is that opponents will not be all that willing to kick the football to Jalen Waddle. So it may have to come off of block punts once again in 2020, and Ali Cahoe has shown you he can take care of that. So understanding that Alabama has produced seven non-offensive touchdowns each of the last two seasons, probably going to go a little bit below that for an over-under on knots heading into the 2020 campaign i think again the punt return team between waddle and the potential for block kicks jeff banks has done a nice job of adding that element more so to special teams than in previous years since coming on to the staff a couple of years ago still think that's going to be a big part of things maybe a kickoff return for a touchdown for alabama or two especially if waddle Uh, serves double duty between punt returns and kickoff returns as for the defense i'm gonna go with two and a half sort of as the number the over under for defensive touchdowns and that makes sense considering each of the last two seasons the alabama defenses have been right around three four defensive scores in 2018 and 2019 so basic math tells us the over-under for Alabama non-offensive touchdowns in 2020, going to set it at five and a half. What do you got? You going over? You going under? That's going to do it for a Monday edition of Daybreak on the Built by Bama online podcast. As always, we appreciate you joining us here on the podcast. We certainly appreciate you joining us there at BamaOnline.com as well. Travis Ryer, hoping you have a great rest of your Monday. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. 
reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.